brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Jennifer Game is the lead Senate candidate for One Nation in South Australia. How are you, Jennifer? Uh, Good morning, Ricky. Very well, thank you. Now, you must be buoyed by One Nation's first win of a seat in the South Australian Parliament, no less by your daughter. Uh, Look, the whole party's been, um, yeah, delighted um, to see uh, us win our our first seat, and especially in the upper house. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of hard work, uh, as you know. Uh, But yes, we're very happy. There's been a lot of commentary around the Flow Studios about the uh, One Nation satire videos, the cartoons that go around, a little bit South Park style. They're getting a lot of attention on social media, but now the AEC have stepped in regarding the latest episode. We've seen it, but uh, you can't find it anywhere on the internet. Is that right? I think that um, it's been temporarily withdrawn. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't seen it or you haven't heard it or seen it. Um, So, but I think it was understand it was maybe um, critical about uh, some aspect of the uh, election process, so not appropriate, I think. So um, anyway, um, probably have to ask somebody else who's better informed. Yeah, they're very edgy videos. Like, I think they're um, getting a lot of attention uh, for One Nation and and drawing some policy points, but uh, I guess that's the nature of that kind of satire. Sometimes it has to be edgy, but does it concern you that the Electoral Commission can, during an election campaign, step in and stop uh, your free speech, I guess, in sharing your views about the electoral process? The cartoons uh, were uh, aimed at young people, engaging um, people who maybe are not yet, um, you know, embracing the political process. And, um, you know, we support the AEC. Uh, You know, the timing of these videos, um, you know, mightn't have been right on this one, but it'll it'll be, you know, come back. Um, Obviously, I am am concerned about, you know, free speech generally, um, but um, not, not when the... Not in, not in this case. All right. Look, um, when we look at the policy brochure that came to people's letterboxes, it's quite comprehensive. Uh, and we actually started from the back first because there was some interest from our listeners about the life policies. Can you just outline what One Nation's policies are on life issues? So um, we, I, I think we are a pro-life, you know, a pro-life party. Um, by that, um, I mean in respect of... Um, the mo- from the moment that um, a child's um, viable, so um, at you know from 22 weeks and um, six days onwards, um, you know we think that um, the current law is inadequate in South Australia, but we just wanted to put our um, position um, on 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 late term abortion, which personally um, 
I oppose and this is a very strong ground of, you know, almost um, for the mother or, or in the child's case, but the current um, position of simply um, a choice, um, no, I reject that. So the position is, um, if I go through it, we think that there ought to be limits um, on, on, on this and certainly not up until the day of birth unless there was some extraordinary um, circumstances that were medically um, agreed. Uh, we, we're against um, sex-selective abortion. Uh, we want counselling. There's no counselling in the current law. Um, we think that mothers who um, are perhaps without housing or in domestic um, violence situations or needing drug rehabilitation, they ought to be uh, helped with those things rather than choosing abortion. If, that's, if those are the reasons, um, you think the rights of the father haven't been taken into account. Um, we think that babies who are born alive during abortion uh, should be treated um, to be kept alive, um, not as they are now, simply left to die. Um, we don't. Uh, we think the doctors ought to have the right to object to to doing this, and we certainly don't think that um, tissue from aborted aborted babies should just be up for sale to anybody. Um, so we want a ban on August, um, organ harvesting, um, and we want mandatory uh, data reporting, which. Um, the current legislation doesn't doesn't offer. So uh, we just broadly um, oppose the uh, late-term abortion bill that went through in 2020. Now, I guess the, the torch, in a sense, would have to be carried by Sarah Game in relation to this in the state parliament. This is this brochure you've released nationwide, I imagine, is about policies state and federal. But I guess the Medicare funding is the key touchstone here, is I guess at a federal level there might be something that could be done about the Medicare funding on those topics? Well, um, you know, when I last looked, it was about $50 co-payment for an abortion, so you can uh, have one um, any, anywhere um, at a very at a very low cost. So that would be that would be one matter um, to consider. She would. I know that uh, she plans to talk about this issue. I think in her maiden speech, uh, which is coming up. Um, I don't know what what her position precisely uh, will be, but um, I can only say we're uh, you know we're a pro-life policy you know party. Um, I think we're the only one in South Australia with with such a policy, which is a uh, real indictment on the other parties. Well, that's one reason I asked is because it does stand out amongst the other parties. But another policy that stands out is the policy there on dams when it comes to water. Now, I guess the capability to put dams in South Australia is limited, but what is generally one Nation's policy about, I guess, water and water storage so that we've got what we need when we need it for primary production? So I think you're right. The easy places to put dams, um, you know, it's, we're largely a uh, flat country um, in, in uh, South Australia and um, so uh, the opportunities are, are limited. But we don't think that there's been enough investment in um, in water generally and um so uh, they have to look at a case-by-case um, basis. But, you know, we've got um, the government putting low-flow bypasses on uh, dams over a certain size and we've got them going around and telling farmers that if they don't put them on now at the government's cost, that they'll have to put them on uh, later at their own cost. And that is reducing 
uh, dry land farmers' ability to, um, you know, make the best use of their land and the water that falls on it. And there's no evidence that um, the water that's captured is actually doing any good for the environment anyway. Well, the more, uh, I think there's been more than a billion dollar invested in South Australia on the desalination plant. Is that being used sufficiently to provide, say, Adelaide's metropolitan needs? Should that be turned on more regularly? So I think we all know that big white elephant, and it's not actually very far from me. Um, where I live, uh, you know, one of the reasons it's so costly is that there has to be, um, you know, it requires so much electricity and the electricity has to come from renewable sources. So uh, it's not doing us any good at all at the moment and it's a total, total white elephant. Uh, if we had cheap electricity in South Australia, which we don't, um, then that might be viable. But until, until we move away from um, weather-dependent sources of electricity, we're never going to make that work. Now, I want to come back to energy in a moment. Just lastly, on water, um, South Australian Labor Premier Peter Malinowska says he wants to see the 450 gigalitres delivered down the Murray under the Basin plan. That's opposed by the National Farmers Federation. What's the a One Nation position on that 450 gigalitres? The problem is that um, all of this water that brought back comes back from high-security water licences that are used to, for um, you know, creating our food. And every time those licences are bought, um, people stop farming in that area, stop employing people, uh, you know, towns start dying and can get to a critical point where people, you know, they're just in decline. Uh, and we don't support, uh, we, just, we simply don't support that. We think that a lot of that water could be uh, gained uh, for South Australia by doing more work to turn around the drains in the southeast. Um, of South Australia, a bit of debate about whether or not or how much more water can be gained that way, but we think that there there can be more water. I mean, I've been down there recently and the amount of water gushing out of the um, barrages is unbelievable and we're not capturing any of that water in the good times uh, at all in South Australia. So uh, we need... I know they are, um, the government is paying for people to build storage dams so where they've got a water allocation that they can store water, uh, particularly for, um, you know, for, uh, for tree-type farming or vineyards um, so they don't lose their water. But um, we, we need to do a lot more, um, totally. No, I'm not, not for um, more water being taken yeah. from the northern states well, and, and I don't want any water taken from South Australia um, at all, and um, we would defend that down. Yeah, we defend that to the end. Well, Tony Passon, the member for Barker for the Liberal Party, told us he estimates there's about 32 gigalitres out of, the, out of that 450 that would have to come out of South Australia, which he says is the equivalent of mothballing Renmark's irrigation area. So there is some substantial impact to be had in SA if that 450 is to be delivered without reference to, I guess, the social and economic impacts in South Australia. You know, as far as we're concerned, um, there's no water. There's no water um, coming out of um, farmers' high security licences here. I mean, South Australians are the best, uh, they're the gold standard for water use. They've always, um, they've always counted their water straight out of the Murray, um, unlike New South Wales where they count it when it finally gets to their farm through open channels. We've always had, um, you know, our pipes water, so there's no loss from or minimal loss from evaporation. I mean, it's the northern states, particularly New South Wales, that needs to pick its act up, um, and they know that they've oversold their water. Um, they, they they don't meter their water properly, and they don't meter it till it gets to um, the farm. 
no, nothing coming out of South Australia, not from not while we're around anyway. Okay, well, lastly, I just wanted to come back to that comment on energy policy. What's One Nation's position on, uh, say, whether it's coal or nuclear? Are you agnostic as to where Australia's energy comes from? I noticed Germany backtracking during the Ukraine crisis and going back into coal because of the their energy shortages there. So the party policy is that until... Until uh, renewables can be shown to provide, until the electricity grid is stable, which it's not at the moment because we've got too much uh, weather-dependent electricity coming in, that we should build um, a coal-fired power station to buy time, which is what the German Germans have done. And we want a debate on nuclear energy because uh, it could uh, has a lot of benefits. And I'm not talking about you know, storage of nuclear waste here for the other states, and I'm not talking about it, the storage internationally uh, either, but uh, for us, um, you know, we could run that desal plant um, all the time, probably on nuclear energy, and we could lower electricity prices here and bring manufacturing back because the kind of manufacturing that we need is going to involve us having high-quality steel and glass, uh, aluminium, and nitrates, and all of those are require something like 40% of their input costs as electricity. And while we've got unstable and high cost, no one's going to keep investing in those areas for us. So I, I think nuclear is something we need a really good public debate about and a plebiscite um, after we've had the yes and no case put to South Australians. Well, Jennifer, again, great to cover a whole range of policy there. Thanks very much for your time today. We look forward to catching up with the candidates in Barker and Gray as well. Very kind, Ricky. Thanks very much. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.